Hello and welcome to this week's and the second podcast interview of In the House Seat with me, your host, Craig Bartley. I hope that you enjoyed my guest last week and hopefully we have some new listeners today and if so, welcome to you all. This is the place where every Sunday we talk about all stuff regarding theatre, film, television and the ups and downs while training for the performing arts industry. I will be speaking to professional performers, choreographers, adjudicators and industry leaders to find out more about them and their transitions and journeys from learning their crafts to the professionals that they are today. So for the next 30 minutes, all you need to do is sit back, relax, enjoy and listen with us. Today in the house seat is my guest, Jennifer Haley. So today in the house seat is my guest, Jennifer Haley. Jennifer has had an immense career as a performer, teacher of dance, and is now a distinguished colleague of mine in the International Federation of Festivals. She's also an adjudicator for All England Dance and Dance World Cup. So without further ado, hello, Jennifer. Hello, and nice to talk to you. Excellent. So you have had a massive career spanning over many decades as a performer, theatre producer, and now an adjudicator. Tell us, where did you train and where did it all start? Well, I started at a very young age at a local dancing school uh, in Clapton, Upper Clapton, East London, uh, for about three or four months. They did a show and my mother was very underwhelmed with it all. So she wanted to take me to a school that did um, festivals and did exams and had a really good training. And the school that she found was called the Morgan Aslanoff School, except it wasn't called Morgan Aslanoff and it was called um, Tory Morgan School because the teacher was Michelle and Maxine's mother, Tory Morgan, who was a wonderful teacher. Um, I did very, very well there. First festival, Jean Frecker adjudicating me, got second in the tap uh, and mm-hmm. went on from there to do all sorts of win trophies and as, as one does. Um, and then when it got to about 11 or 10 or 11, my mother thought, knew that I didn't have enough classical ballet training. So I used to go to Arts Educational, which was Cone Ritman then at Hyde Park, and do Saturday morning ballet classes. Then uh, mummy decided, no, it still wasn't enough. So I, I left Morgan Asanoff, Miss Morgan, and I went to Maud Wells. And Maud was a wonderful teacher, and she had some very, very good teachers teaching for her. One was Phyllis Seymour, who used to do all the national, and another was a very good woman from Bush Davis called Pat Plummer, who taught us ballet and modern. And uh, I did very well there, again, doing festivals, All England, finals, things like that. Then when I was 14, I went to America for four months in the summer and went to a summer school in Banff, where I was right. taught by Winifred Edwards called Vera Fredova. Uh, and when I came back from America, I went to Letty Littlewoods at Wimbledon, where I'd always wanted to go, but it was such a long way. But I went to Letty's for two years, one year as an outsider and, and then another year as a student. And again, won the gold medal at the All England in my last year. And 
then I went into the business. Let me just talk about your training just before we go into your professional career. Now, um, during your training, did you have a specific genre that you trained in or did you do your learning comprise completely of varied styles across the board? Varied styles across the board. Ballet, RAD ballet, uh, uh, majors up to and including advanced, tap, modern, national, Greek, drama and musical theatre. That's, that's fantastic. That is a real array and melange of uh, genre there. Um, how do you think that dance styles and genres have changed from when you were training to fit into today's styles and lifestyle trends? If you have a good classical ballet training, you can pick up any style of modern work. Tap, again, you can pick up quickly. You don't need to do years and years and years and years of tap, really, because once you get to about 11 or 12, you've learned all the steps. Yeah, everything it's being else, rhythmical, isn't it? It's just, yeah, you know, you can bring it through in the feet. Absolutely. And if you're working for a, a choreographer, particularly with modern work, they want to put their own style on you anyway, and you have to do their work and, and fit in with what they want. So I think the most important, I don't think, I know the most important thing is the classical ballet. ballet you have yes. a good, secure classical ballet training. The Greek and the national are very important, I think, because again, I used them when I worked in the business, and it gives you another dimension to your performing and your dancing. The modern is very important up to a point, but for every modern class you do, you need to have had three or four ballet classes in the week. Yes, for sure. I remember seeing Mrs. Henderson presents a performance at what was then the Aubrey Theatre, uh, choreographed by Andrew Wright. And because they were the muse poses in the uh, windmill scenario, um, they were all standing around in the Greek freeze positions and so forth. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so it was quite good to see how that was incorporated into yeah. the stylistics of Indeed. choreographic content. Indeed. And, do yeah. and again, it gives you lovely freedom of movement that you can add. In It, it gives you another string to your bow, as it were. And Absolutely. the more things you have as a performer, the better. So, Jenny, after your training, this led you on to your performing life. What was your first job? My first job was in a pantomime with Ken Dodd at Birmingham. But previously to that, I'd auditioned for a musical in London, which I now know was Robert and Elizabeth. Oh. And Wendy Toy took a great fancy to me and I had recall after recall after recall. And when I was down to about the last 20, Equity appeared at the audition and asked to see Equity cards. Dun, 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 dun. I knew nothing about Equity cards. Um, and of course, in those days, you had to have a full Equity card, which was 26 weeks work right. to, be, to be in the West End. You, you had to have a um, to have your blue card, blue card not yeah. a yellow card. And I of course, I was sent away with a flea in my ear, but I was very thrilled about getting so far with the musical. And in the end, I auditioned for Joan Davis. 
great lady of the theatre who used to put all the dancers into the Tom Arnold pantomimes that were uh, in the provinces. And of course, you could get your equity card and join equity on those. And that's what I did. I got the contract, £10 a week, which I thought was a wonderful, wonderful fee. Uh, And the pantomime I did with Dodgy, it was Humpty Dumpty, ran from the beginning of December to almost to Easter. Right. They were very, very long. I remember being up in um, Edinburgh for uh, Paul Elliott mm. and uh, the whole of my contract was about 15 weeks long. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. It was like two weeks rehearsing. Um, that's for Carol Todd. I was mm. doing that for I Carol. I think we had three um, weeks rehearsed. Yeah. But yeah. it was very strange because uh, when I was in the pantomime, I used to like to go and, and see art galleries and castles and things. And I went to the bus station and I saw a poster for the Coventry Spring Show. And it said, full ballet, directed and choreographed by Pauline Grant. And I wrote a letter to Pauline Grant telling her how good I was. <laughs> and the fact that I was at Birmingham, I'd trained with Letty Littlewood, et cetera, et cetera. And she asked me to go and audition. She sent me a letter back. I didn't know, but the pantomime, the, sorry, the spring show, it was the Coventry Spring Show with Harry Worth, was completely cast. But she asked me to go and audition, which I did. And she gave me a private audition on the stage and offered me a job. And it was £12 a week. And when I went back to the pantomime, nobody believed me. Because, of course, it was in about four weeks' time that we were nearly finishing the panto. Anyway, when the contract came, of course, I flashed it round. Um, And because (laughs) her her husband owned the theatre, she could have as many dancers as she liked. So, um, And we weren't all in everything. Some of us were in some numbers and some were in the others. And the same thing happened with my next job, which was the Folderols. They came to the Belgrade Coventry and I wrote Hugh Charles who was there or rehearsing them, one of my letters telling him how good I was and I was an all-round dancer and a good singer and point work, etc. Again, I went and auditioned for them on my birthday, on my 18th birthday, <laughs> and they gave me the job. So my first three jobs ran into each other. I never stopped working from December till October. That's how it used to be, though, isn't it? In those days, my full equity card. Yeah, absolutely. So, in the Folder Rolls, is that where you um, during that time? Is that where you met your late husband, producer and musician yes. Philip Charles? It was. It was the year after I did two seasons with the Folder Rolls. The first one was at South Sea with Laurie Lapino Lane. The second one, which was '67, was at the Congress Theatre Eastbourne with Jack right. Tripp. Uh, and Joan, of course, and I met Philip there, and the rest is history. <laughs> and, and love at first sight. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yes. absolutely. very distinguished looking man. I remember Phil when I, um, yeah. you know, yeah. when I first uh, met you years ago. Man. Lovely, wonderful man. Now, the Jenny set. And how was that formed? Well, I'd been doing pantomime at um, Harlow Playhouse playing Ugly Sister, which I absolutely loved. Uh, I, I did. I, I was choreographing by then. I'd started choreographing in 1967. Um, right. Uh, and I did pantomime summer shows and then gradually people asked me to do some years I was doing two or three pantomimes putting the you know choreographing bits in summer shows for people and my own summer shows that I was in for Bunny Baron and um 
Pete Solberg, the agent, rang me up and said, could I put a troupe of girls on the Isle of Wight with Billy Whitaker and Mimi Law? It, Alan Gold was supposed to have done it, but for some reason had pulled out. Let's just, just stop you there. Anybody that's listening in, um, Mimi and uh, Billy were the original... No, um, Mimi and her... her her brother, Joey her brother. Brother. That's right. They yes. Were original Bisto kids. Original Bisto kids. So if you've any, if you've got any of those uh, <laughs> memorabilia um, things that you put on the the magnets on the fridge, um, <laughs> they will probably be <laughs> caricatured <laughs> off of those kids. Yeah. And Jerry, Jerry Jerome. Yes. So um, I got together these four girls, and he well, they wanted routines, they wanted costumes, they wanted um, uh, ideas. And Mimi and I met up and she loved all my ideas. And I ended up, I choreographed the whole show and directed it. And I've had these four girls, we had costumes made. We used some costumes from the Falderols. Uh, this was 1974 and that was my first troupe of girls and after that it just I, I, I then went on and had three lots of Jenny sets in Panto and then the following year I had four troops of girls I think out and it just snowboard and snowboard and I always had super girls they were lovely girls and I was very good at picking girls like Debbie McGee was one of my girls Debbie right yes and Tessa Pete Jones. Right. She was a she she did head girl for me. She was from Joanne Marston Blackwell. Uh, she was a lovely girl, uh, still is, I'm sure. Um, and I had some fit Fanola Hughes. She was one of my Yes. Oh my goodness me, that's the um, oh, I gave them all their equity. Original cut. white cat in yes, she is. I was very good at, at spotting talent. Actually, Bill Squires of the Three Squires said I should have been an agent because I was very good at picking out Watching talent. Yes, I was. So in 1984, Jenny, you opened your own stage school teaching dance, singing and drama. Yeah. Um, over the years, did you have any professionals come out of there? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, quite a, a, a few girls. Jade Ewing. Oh, right. Yes, Jade. Yeah. She just finished um, Aladdin um, at the Prince yeah. Edward. Yes. Um, quite a few of the girls uh, worked on the cruises, carnival cruises. And, right. And were, had very um, ni- nice careers, you know, of sort of 10 years, I think. Um, a, a very good girl called Victoria Goddard has her own act with her husband and they have dancers in that. She, and they all say that I inspired them, um, which, of course, is very flattering for me and, and uh, lovely. But, um, yes, I, I had quite a few girls that went in the business. But of course, they were all the lookers. Yeah, of course, of course. Which is unfortunate, but it's um, fortunate for them, but unfortunate for some others uh, just trying to aspire into the industry. (laughs) 
let's just go back a moment to before your uh, performing career started and when you yourself used to compete in dance festivals. Now, do festivals and dance competitions obviously gave you the knowledge and expectancy of how it worked and how you could progress being a dancer by competing? Is this why you became interested in becoming an adjudicator, which you've done for nearly 30 years now? I absolutely loved festivals. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the taking part. And we always used to go at the first, the first day at nine o'clock in the morning and my mother and my sister and sometimes my grandmother and we would stay the whole time and we would go every single day whether I was dancing or not. Uh, Naomi used to work out all the marks and she'd say, oh, you've won the classical cup. or you've, what, you, <laughs> As you, most you, parents do in the audience. Well, I don't think they do now, you know, because they okay. don't seem to, you know, appreciate that or sometimes they don't even know there are cups because you know yourself when you present them, half the children don't turn up. But we That's used to play because <laughs> I used to love me the children from the other dance schools and if we were if it was a big section and we were a bit bored we used to find a little room somewhere in these funny little colleges and places they had the festivals and we would always play festivals and one of us would be the adjudicator oh, right. and we were always very old as the adjudicator we role play. <laughs> stood up and held our backs and stumbled and said very nice section because of course we thought the adjudicators were all very old it was all the uh, twin set and pearls in those oh, Oh, and hats, of course. And hats, yeah. I absolutely loved festivals and I always wanted to become an adjudicator. And in fact, it's now probably about 33 years I've been adjudicating. Somebody, I phoned, no, I phoned somebody up about a festival in Essex. I wanted to enter my children. I'd not had the school very long. This was about 86, 87. And they said, oh, it's full. The festival's full, but we need an adjudicator. And I said, oh, I can do it. I, I'm an adjudicator. I oh, can do it. And I did. And I went and adjudicated. And that was my first festival. And then I joined the Federation. Uh, and it snowballed from there. But I've always loved festivals because I think it's so encouraging for children. Absolutely. And, and it gives you great confidence. And I think it's very important to learn to how to win gracefully, but also how to not win gracefully. And also to realise that not everybody likes you. You know, yes, or they yes. like somebody else better than you. Because we, we work in such a rejective industry that it's a very good tool and a stepping stone to have that knowledge and to take that on board so mm-hmm. that when you actually eventually go to auditions, mm-hmm. you're not going to feel discarded in any way absolutely but not only that Craig but that's life as well you know you go for a job now yes very much so an interview you know it's not just the business it's any job yes and I think kids that have done festivals have just got that little bit more confidence and a bit more down to earth really and I find them very polished Oh, absolutely. Because of the rehearsal factor that they have to put in very professional really in their own way yes and disciplined Now, completely changing the subject here, you've got two sons, Noel and Leon, which their names are in reverse. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us a little more about them as a proud mum, as I know they are doing brilliantly in their own right. They both went to the Purcell School, which was a school for musically gifted children, and they were nice. very lucky. They both had uh, government scholarships. Very niche, very small school, and they both did very well there. Noel then became an organ scholar, the organ scholar at Oriel College, Oxford, um, because my husband wanted them to learn organ, church organ, as another string to their bow. And uh, Noel got a first at Oxford and then proceeded to, um, he went to the Royal College and did, did an MA. And then he did a lot of accompanying and he did uh, solo piano as well. And then started playing, he always liked playing for ballet. And he eventually was playing for the Royal Ballet Company. Fantastic. And in fact, they loved him. And he played, he did the, um, uh, and uh, was going to play the Ratmaninoff, the ballet set to the Ratmaninoff on stage as well. He was the cover for that. Yeah, then he went to Manila and played for a company called Ballet Manila, which he loved. And because his wife is Japanese and she, they were going back to Japan because he was a little disenchanted with um, London. And then he played for K Ballet, which is Teddy uh, Tatsumi, the uh, Japanese ballet dancer from, uh, was at the yeah, Royal. And he was going to train to be a conductor as well. Mm-hmm. But he brought, he brought, he, he does a lot of property. He bought property in London, which did very well. He's now got property in Manila, in Vietnam, in um, Thailand, in Australia, as well as London. Well, he's he's an entrepreneur tycoon, for sure. He actually doesn't play much now. He doesn't play much now, so he gave it up. He, He prefers to run his property. So that's, that's Noel. And he lives in Japan. He's got two little girls and a a lovely wife. And he was over here at the beginning of the year, uh, helping me, um, having stuff work done on my house. Now, Leon is completely different. He's musical theatre. Okay. And he he started his career. He went to Cambridge and got a first, and was well, all one at Oxford and one at Cambridge. You one did at do well. One at Cambridge, that's right. <laughs> got a first there. Then he went to Canterbury and was the organ scholar for a year. He went to Westminster Abbey for a year and was the organ scholar there. Did lots of recitals and things. And then he he managed to get him uh, very kindly. Jason Carr um, helped him. He, he came along and and uh, he worked well he didn't work he he hung around and he get your gun at the music and he got a chance to play in it and Depp and his career just snowboarded from there and he he's done all sorts of shows he's done um the tour of Chicago and he's MD'd in the West End he did um High Society, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Calm Deed at the Chocolate Factory came in at the end and MD'd that. Right. And he wasn't even 30 then. My so goodness. he's done incredibly well. Um, of course, he's not working at the moment. He's in Les Mis. Um, so he's done really, really well uh, in the musical theatre uh, and is in, and he also arranges for CDs as well. He's right. done Craig Ogden and people like that and so that's one of mine that's one of mine yeah my goodness you must be absolutely just so proud oh I am well 
What an amazing career path you have had for our listeners to take on board and hopefully give our next generation of performers an insight and inspiration into how they too can achieve within the industry. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, Jennifer. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today and learn about your career history. Bye, everyone. Well, unfortunately, that's it for this week. However, don't forget to tune in every Sunday for my next guest in the house seats. This broadcast can be heard on my personal website at www.craigbartley.com or tune in on Spotify or iTunes podcasts by looking up In the House Seat with Craig Bartley. Chat soon. <laughs>